Watch and listen to the talking news every day at 12 noon and 6 p.m. on Channel 96 Comcast Xfinity and Channel 30 Verizon Fios. It can also be heard Mondays and Tuesdays at 4.30 p.m. and Wednesday at 12.30 p.m. on Channel 9 Xfinity and Channel 29 Fios. Listen anytime on the BMC Podcast Network on SoundCloud and iTunes. Just search for the Belmont Media Podcast Network. And now on to the talking news. Climate Action Plan Update by Angela Toma. Belmont has a plan to place to reduce emissions from electricity generation by 80% by 2050. Sustainable Belmont presented an update with this climate action plan with Energy Committee members Jenny Maruzik and James Booth on November 1st. They reviewed the town's progress on the plan and looked at whether or not they thought the town was on track to reach its goal. Booth focused in particular on electricity by analyzing emissions data ranging from 2007 to 2014. Electricity emissions went down by 20%, he said, but that was entirely due to the grid getting cleaner over that time frame. Massachusetts has distinguished, has diminished its use of coal over the past decade. The town's decline in electricity emissions is a reflection of this decrease. Overall, Belmont is heading in the right direction. Emissions are declining, said Booth, but not fast enough to reach our 2050 cap goals. A major point of discussion was Belmont Light and Energy Sourcing. Belmont Light provides electric services to town citizens. The company is load-serving entity, which means they purchase their power as opposed to generating their own. Approximately 17% of their supply comes from renewable sources. However, Belmont Light sells a majority of this renewable energy to other electricity providers. What Belmont Light does, from everything we understand, is that when they buy wind energy, they say this kilowatt of wind energy is really clean. They then sell that attribute. The fact is, the fact that it is clean and wind to Eversource, so that Eversource can now claim to use wind energy, said Travis Frank, a member of both the Energy Committee and the Light Board Advisory Council. As a result, Belmont residents are left with energy from dirty sources. The questions are now, we now need to ask are, should Belmont continue to sell off this clean energy to keep energy costs low, or should Belmont stop selling their clean energy to third parties and possibly increase the amount of clean energy they purchase? In the case of the latter, are Belmont residents willing to pay more for clean energy? The decision does not need to be implemented uniformly across the town, but can be done on a personal level with an opt-out program. 
Attendees discussed a program where residents could choose whether they wanted to use only clean energy, which costs a little more, or continue using a mix, which costs less. The subject is still debated. The construction of Belmont High School was a topic that also came up during the discussion on November 1st. Sustainable Belmont is pushing for net zero energy building. This type of building produces enough renewable energy to meet its own annual energy consumption. Some have expressed concern regarding the cost of constructing a net zero energy high school building. Mazurak said that the investment to go net zero is about half of what it was a couple of years ago. When the town considers all of the costs, building a zero energy building pays for itself in generally less than five years. She also noted that building a zero energy high school complies with Belmont's climate action plan. The CAP established a policy where a new municipal buildings needed to meet eligibility criteria for LEED certification at the silver level or higher. Leadership in Energy and Environmental Design, LEED, is a rating system used to evaluate the environmental performance of a building, which uses a points-based system to reward buildings designed and constructed with environmental friendliness in mind. And now over to Claire. Thank you. The planning board members will still be appointed by Selectmen by Joanna Zuvelis. The citizens' petition to convert the Belmont Planning Board to an elected body instead of a body appointed by the Board of Selectmen was defeated 141 to 87. Town meeting members Paul Roberts, and Mann, and Wayne Massard submitted the petition and explained their reasons behind it. The planning board is clearly an administrative body that touches residential and commercial development. With that kind of impactful authority, it has to be subject to accountability elections provide. It will bring the planning board in line with Belmont's other administrative boards, such as the school committee and board of assessors, said Massard. Mayern said year after year, good people submit their resumes and have been passed over. Selectmen opposed the move. The selectmen recommended unfavorable action on this article at their November 6 meeting. They explained the reasons for their decision to town meeting members on November 13. Selectman Adam Dash said he thought the timing was not good to make the change when tensions are running high. He also said politics could influence the kind of people who run and the decisions they make if they get elected. He also said it would be hard to get good people to apply if they have to run for office. Selectman Vice Chairman Mark Paolillo agreed with Dash. William said, I don't think a case has been made for change. I'm not comfortable with change for change's sake. Town meeting members worried about expertise and politics. Ellen Scriber, 
town meeting member for Precinct 8, gave five reasons why she could not support the article. She said she is concerned enough people wouldn't run because it is expensive and it takes a lot of time. She said incumbents tend to be reelected because many voters don't know who else to vote for. I don't believe elections are going to create the accountability we are looking for, she said. She also said that planning board members have difficult decisions to make that the public isn't always going to agree with. I don't think decisions should be influenced by upcoming elections, she said. Elizabeth Dion, town meeting member for Precinct 2, said she believes the petition will create more problems than it solves. The problem we have is technical expertise. I don't know that elections will solve that challenge. I'm concerned an election could make it worse, she said. Michael Crowley, Warrant Committee member and town meeting member for Precinct 8, said he thinks the planning board is an important institution, much like the selectmen and board of library trustees and other elected offices. I think people are capable of presenting their qualifications to us, and we can judge. We're adults. Elections are a good thing, he said. After the vote, Roberts told the Citizen Herald he is unsure if they will bring up the citizens' petition again at the annual town meeting in the spring. Over to Max. Thanks, Claire. <coughs> Decisions made at town meeting. Modulars at Burbank, schematic designs for police, public works, and library facilities approved by Joanna K. Suvalis. Town meeting members made three major decisions on November 13th, which will help reduce class sizes in the elementary schools, improve conditions for employees and visitors of the police department and Department of Public Work facilities, and help the Belmont Public Library Foundation begin fundraising for a new library. The articles for the modular classrooms and schematic designs and building committees for the short-term solutions for the police and public works facilities and a new library overwhelmingly passed. However, there will be no change to the way planning board members are chosen, as we just heard. The citizens' petition to change the town bylaws to have three-year seats elected instead of appointed was defeated 141 to 87. Town meeting members voted 229 to 14 in favor of borrowing and appropriating $2.734 million for the modular classroom project at the Burbank Elementary School. In addition to adding four modular classrooms plus a bathroom facility, the project would add a covered walkway, expand existing parking, add synthetic turf at Maeve's Corner, and replace the paved play area. Construction is expected to begin during April vacation. According to Superintendent John Phelan, the modulars will reduce class size to a more acceptable level for teaching and learning in kindergarten through fourth grade. Enrollment has grown by about 101 students every year since 2011, and Phelan doesn't see the trend slowing down before 2021. Town meeting member Bob Sarno, Precinct 3, inquired whether or not a debt exclusion could be used to fund the modulars. Town treasurer Floyd Carmen explained all mechanisms will be considered. 
The plan is to borrow $2.7 million for 10 years at an estimated 3% interest rate in the spring of 2018. The debt service will start in fiscal year 2019 and cost $321,000 annually over 10 years. The source of the funds to pay the debt service will be determined in the 2019 budget cycle, Carmen said. He has suggested a number of options to the selectmen who will begin discussions and decisions in February or March. Town meeting voted in favor of Article 4.223-12 to appropriate $383,230 for schematic designs for renovations to the DPW and police facilities and form a building committee which will provide short-term solutions to improve working conditions, safety, and accessibility at both sites. The money will come from the Kendall Insurance Account, proceeds from a fire at the Kendall School many years ago. Anne-Marie Mahoney, chairman of the Major Capital Projects Working Group, reported on their work to date and explained the short-term solutions for each of the facilities. The improvements to the Public Works facility would include moving the vehicle washing station outside to the west of the property and adding appropriate locker, toilet, shower, office, and break room facilities. She said the total estimate for these improvements would be $1.6 million. The short-term solution improvements to the police station would include adding an elevator, adding locker facilities for female officers to be equal to the facilities for the male officers, adding a safe, secure sally port used to bring prisoners into the station, a weapons lockup area, booking area, holding cells, and evidence storage. She said it is not yet known if or how an elevator could be added. If it is determined by the designer that an elevator cannot be added, she said the working group would recommend the town move directly to a plan for the construction of a new police station on the DPW campus. The total estimated cost for these improvements would be $2.8 million, she said. Town meeting voted 215 to 21 in favor of Article 5 to appropriate $150,000 for a schematic design for a new main library using the Kendall insurance account as a funding source and create a building committee. The Belmont Library Foundation will provide an additional $150,000 for the schematic design which is estimated to cost $300,000. Ellen Schreiber, member of the Belmont Public Library Foundation, explained the importance of the schematic design to privately fundraise for a new 38,950-square-foot building estimated to cost $23.6 million. She said they are still trying to figure out what will be possible in Belmont. It's larger than anything we've done before in Belmont, she said, adding, we need five, six, seven-digit donations. It will take time to cultivate. She said if someone is going to invest a large amount in a project, they will want to see this design. Rosales asked for assurance that the funds would be used for a project that comes to fruition, citing past funds approved, approximately $300,000, for the project, and nothing happened. Over to Bob. Thank you, Max. Chenery Middle School Honors Veterans by Dr. Ann Selly. Principal Michael McAllister welcomed local veterans 
and the Chennery Middle School 7th and 8th grade faculty and students to observe Veterans Day at their annual assembly. Events on the program included music from Chennery Winds and chamber singers and some reflections from administrators, veterans, and students, and finally applause and cheers to recognize the individual veterans for their service. There was a particularly rousing foot-stomping applause for Chenery Middle School's own veteran, David Gonzalez, health and physical education teacher, sitting among the ranks on stage. A highlight of the program included McAllister's remarks. He reminded students that veterans were everywhere in their community and were an important reminder of the core values of Chenery Middle School, or the three R's, being respectful, being responsible, and being ready. These men demonstrated responsibility when they decided to serve in the military to help protect our lives here in Belmont. These men demonstrated respect when they thought about someone other than themselves, fighting alongside soldiers from other countries in places like Europe, Korea, and Iraq. These men demonstrated readiness when they left their lives here in Belmont to serve for others, said McAllister. And over to Claire. Thank you, Bob. Your salute to veterans. On Veterans Day, we pay tribute to the brave men and women that serve in our military. We thank our readers for sharing stories about their favorite veterans with us. Here are two. Daniel J. Kenny, U.S. Air Force, Belmont, Mass. Colonel Daniel Kenny was a distinguished World War II Air Force fighter pilot. He flew over 75 combat missions in the famous P-47 Thunderbolt with the 412th Fighter Squadron, 9th Air Force. He was awarded the Distinguished Flying Cross, Army Commendation Medal, and 15 Air Medals, along with numerous French and Belgian decorations. He also received five battle stars, for campaigns in the European Theater of Operations and continued his service in the Air Force Reserve. Mr. Kenny was a past commander of the VFW Post 1272 in Belmont. He was active in the town of Belmont, serving as chairman of the Belmont Housing Authority, chairman of the Board of Assessors, chairman of the Republican Town Committee, and was an active town meeting member. Julian Joseph Bishop, Sr., U.S. Army in Belmont, Mass. My dad, World War II veteran Julian Bishop, Sr., passed away in 1989 at the age of 71. He never spoke of his time at war, but this past year, my brother-in-law decided to look into our dad's past military record and discovered that he's been posthumously awarded the Medal of Honor, among other medals. All eight siblings in our extended family are gathering on April 7, 2018, on what would have been our dad's 100th birthday. It will be a big day for the Bishop family, and we are so proud of our dad. Now to Max. Thanks, Claire. 
Habitat Intergenerational Program celebrates 20 years. Over 80 volunteers gathered at Mass Audubon's Habitat Education Center and Wildlife Sanctuary on November 5th for the 20th annual HIP Trails Day. Young and old worked together on outdoor projects, spreading wood chips on trails, tidying the educational gardens, digging a trench, and clearing leaves. Volunteers then enjoyed a party featuring a, featuring a lineup of 20 cakes to celebrate the 20th birthday of HIP, Habitat's Intergenerational Program. The Habitat Intergenerational Program was established in 1997 under the leadership of Phil Solomon with the support of then Habitat Director Lori Bennett. HIP's founders sought to foster friendships across generations through activities that reflect the shared values of community service and caring for nature. Now in its 20th year, the HIP program it continues to offer a variety of opportunities to, for seniors, adults, teens, and families to work together on hands-on projects that benefit nature. It's all about learning and having fun together, said Solomon. Since the first Trails Day 20 years ago, HIP has grown into a friendly community that welcomes all participants to volunteer as and when they like and actively encourages young people to grow into leadership roles. As a member of HIP's Intergenerational Steering Committee and co-director of the Chenery Courtyard Project, CMS teacher Ben Ligon describes HIP as a family with a shared vision of intergenerational environmental stewardship. This year's 20th Fall, 20th Fall Trails Day drew loyal HIP members, young adults who took part in HIP programs when they were in middle and high school, uh, local residents and seniors, Cub Scouts from Arlington, Somerville, Cambridge, and Belmont, students doing community service, and families eager to spend an afternoon outdoors. In thanking volunteers for their participation in the 20th Trails Day and anniversary celebration, Habitat Sanctuary Director Roger Rubel expressed his hope that, quote, HIP continues for many more years, bringing young and old together, working for, learning about, and enjoying nature, unquote. Over to you, Bob. Thank you, Max. Belmont comes out for Recycle Day. I would like to acknowledge and applaud the Belmont residents who participated in the DPW Recycle Day. It was a busy event with 339 cars dropping off various items. The event was staffed by volunteers from environmentally minded residents. DPW staff to students performing community service. The following items were collected. 2,606 pounds of textile collection and 1,050 pounds of book collection, both provided by Recycle That. 8,000 pounds of shredded paper plus $802.48 donated to Belmont Sport, collection provided by Watertown Savings Bank and Pro, Sh Pro, Pro Shred Shredding. A really big thank you to the generosity of Watertown Savings and Belmont residents. 1,740 pounds of rigid plastics collection, 
6,476 pounds of electronics collection, 30 trash bags filled with towels and blankets, and one cat carrier to the Animal Rescue League, 51 bikes to Bikes Not Bombs. It was a successful recycling effort that diverted approximately 10 tons from the waste to energy plant while Belmont's trash is incinerated. Not only does it save the town money by decreasing our trash tonnage, but it also helps preserve our natural resources. And over to Claire. Thank you, Bob. Mom's Classic Apple Pie Wins First Place by Joanna K. Zuvelis. Pastry chef Louise Miller of Jamaica Plain can not only bake an award-winning apple pie, she can write a novel that will make your mouth water, too. Miller, author of The City Baker's Guide to Country Living, read an excerpt from her first-time novel and judged a pie contest at Belmont Books on November 9th. Miller's inspiration for her book, was her experience entering and winning second place in the Topps Field Fair Pie Baking Contest in 1999. The main character in Miller's book, Olivia, a pastry chef hired to help win a pie contest for an inn owner in northern Vermont. Thirteen pies, many of them still hot from the oven, were entered into the contest which turned out to be a lucky number for the three judges. Miller, along with hospitality consultant Josh Hubbard and Diedrichs and Local Root Marketing Director Stephanie Catero, had the pleasure of tasting blood orange hibiscus custard meringue pie, ultimate pumpkin pie with rum whipped cream, chocolate date and pecan pie, blueberry buttermilk pie, cranberry pear pie, and chocolate espresso fudge pie, and decadent maple and caramelized brown sugar pie. Janine Fisk of Malden won the first place blue ribbon for her mother's apple pie recipe. She said she has won second and third place for her pies at the Topsfield Fair, but this was her first time winning first place. Her prize was a gift basket donated by Local Root and Diedrichs, opening soon in Belmont Center, which contained a French pie dish, a kitchen towel, a tart slicer, pastry blender, dough cutters, pie weights, and a $75 gift certificate to Cabrada Baking Company and a $50 gift card to Belmont Books. Audrey Kochi of Watertown placed second for her blood orange hibiscus custard meringue pie. Sarah Lippitz of Newton placed third for her cranberry pear pie. Now to you, Max. Thanks, Claire. Businesses Holding Fundraisers for Food Pantry by Joanna K. Suvalis. As Thanksgiving approaches, two local businesses are a step ahead in their fundraising efforts for their annual Gifts of Hope campaign, to benefit the Belmont Food Pantry. Zia's Clothing Outlet and Belmont Car Wash are holding fundraisers on Thursday, November 30th. Belmont Car Wash will donate $1 for every car washed on November 30th. Zia's Clothing Outlet, 91 Trapello Road, 
will donate a percentage of sales that day to the Belmont Food Pantry. The Belmont Food Pantry helps feed more than 100 families in Belmont every week and has been under the direction of Patricia Mihalich for 25 years. Mihalich received a proclamation on behalf of the pantry at the special town meeting on November 13th. Back to you, Bob. Along with my colleagues, Claire and Max, we would like to wish our listeners a happy Thanksgiving, and we thank you for listening to the Talking News and hope you've enjoyed the show. We will return next week for another edition of Local News Happenings around Belmont.